This is the Ezra Podcast. Conor McGregor fight week just passed. Conor McGregor lost. Wasn't in any way anyone predicted. I don't think anyone saw this coming, but it kind of made sense. It made sense how it ended. And I think that this is like, you know, Eric's described it to those um, football injuries. This is like those football injuries where you kind of just realize you're never going to see the same guy again. It's, it's kind of like Kobe tearing his Achilles. Joe Theismann, uh, Alex Smith. You know it's kind of never going to be the same guy again. And I don't think it was the same guy that night. And I don't make excuses for fighters, right? I think Conor McGregor was still the name. He was still considered a top guy. And Poirier gets all the credit for being Conor McGregor twice. Take nothing away from him. Not saying he was, oh, you beat him past his prime. Beat him. No, he beat Conor McGregor. And he beat him twice. And I'm going to count that one yesterday as a win. Because when you go in there and fight, right, stability of your legs and everything and your, um, you know, what they say, the best ability is availability. And Conor wasn't available after that fight. And it could have been from the leg kicks. It could have been from anything. We don't really know what it was from. But it didn't just happen because he stepped backwards. Okay, so that leg was fractured previous to that. And then it just completely broke when he stepped on it. Did Conor McGregor fight the way that I assumed he would? He didn't. He came out like a bat out of hell. He came in to me as if he didn't believe in his tank. He didn't believe in this fight, being him being able to win this fight going past the first or second round. It also came in almost like he didn't really truly believe in what he was offering like he was trying to force everything now he was landing good shots um he came in and he attacked the leg he kind of tried to put Poirier unbalanced he knew that Poirier was no good going backwards like he knew that was like Poirier's biggest flaw was going backwards so he said I'm gonna put him on his back foot and he came in with a first of all he came with a, 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 a big kick right and then he started setting up leg kicks and then he started hitting with the left hand he, he, he was getting to work right he was getting to work but it was a fast pace it was a pace that I would have never thought he'd come out for in that fight because I thought, you know, the whole thing was to save, preserve, and also look to see if you can pick your shots a little better. Also look to see if um, if Pori's going to drag in the deep waters and have a little something extra in the tank. I don't believe he would have had anything left in the tank had this fight gone past the first round. So he goes in, he blast, he starts blasting leg kicks, right? And they are super effective. I don't see anyone complaining about Poirier's stance either. You know, we were talking about the boxing stance. That's a flaw. In it. I mean, I don't know what stance Poirier is using. If it, that, That's not a boxing stance. Okay, whatever. You know, we're being real picky on these things, right? We're, I think it stands out more for Conor because Conor usually does a karate stance and then he wants a more like a, a traditional brawler stance. Okay, yes, that's true. But did, what is Poirier using? So he's going, he, he, he he's, he's ripping away at Poirier's legs. And then um, he starts doing little things that I thought, uh, allow Poirier to to gain on the space. He started switching in front of him. Just little mistakes like that. He switches in front of him. So when Poirier jumps, like he switches in front of Poirier, jumps to attack him. Because he's switching in front of him, he doesn't have, he's not set to counter or to hold Poirier off or have Poirier walk into something. So Poirier pushes him back. And when Poirier pushes you back and he gets the ball rolling with his combinations, this is when he's at his absolute best. And that's what he did. I also think he hurt Conor McGregor. With a big left hand when Connor switched in front of him. And then he flurried on him, and Connor was kind of in trouble trying to get away from the shots. And then Connor, of course, went to look to wrap up. And when the, then he looks for a guillotine, which as the fight was happening, I was like, don't go for that guillotine. 
right? Because he chose submission over position. You never did that. You always go position, then submission. But he went submission without position, and he never had the legs wrapped around him. So he wraps around him. Poirier gets in a position where he's, the corner's legs are actually underneath him, trying to get uh, around his hips, trying to lock in a guard for that guillotine. It's not going to happen, right? Poirier's uh, experience It's also a move that he does often. So he's very experienced at what Connor's looking for. Connor doesn't get it. Now he's in a position where he either holds it and tires his arm out with no chance of landing the submission, or he gets out of it and lets um, Poirier get a, a dominant position on him on the ground. Poirier gets that position, begins to uh, lay down strikes. Now, Connor's landing strikes too as well, but the problem with it is the position you're at, right? And fighting's all about position. I've seen that Teddy Atlas was talking after, and people were like, why is Teddy Atlas talking? Why is he talking for this fight? Uh, he's not. He doesn't know MMA or everything. He knows fighting. And that's the thing is that I don't think you guys, I don't think people know fighting. People may know MMA. They may know the positions. They may know the, what the submission's called. They may know a guy's record. They may know, oh, he fought here and here. But do they know fighting? I think that honestly in MMA that there's not a lot of people that know fighting. Well, say, take that for what you will, right? Be insulted by that comment, whatever it is. But I, I honestly believe that. I don't think there's a lot of people that know fighting. Teddy Atlas knows fighting, whether he knows the name of the submissions, whether he knows the name of the fighters, whether he knows the, the you know, their last, the record in their last five. It doesn't matter. He knows fighting. And he was talking about the position. And it's all about geography. That's what he was saying. And he's 100% correct. Is that Poirier, once he had got to that dominant position, right, Connor could trade with them all he wants. He's in. He's at the disadvantage. It's uh, Anakin versus Obi Wan. I have uh, Obi Wan has the high ground. He has all the advantage. Poirier had the high ground. He can trade there. His shots mean more. He's getting more leverage on them. He's getting more power to them. All the momentum is coming downwards. While Connor is on his back with no no base to be on, and his punches are going up. And his kicks are, you know, the kicks were all right, but they weren't enough distance to really cause any damage. And Poirier is just pounding it on him. And you can see in Connor's face that it's, he's kind of wilting away. You can see the tiredness. You can see, like, a little bit of the desperation. He grabs onto the inside of the gloves. You know, stuff like that happens all the time. I wouldn't say, like, oh, he's a cheat for doing that. I just think, that, you know, you're grabbing a lot of stuff. You know, you're grabbing arms and everything like that. It slides the slipper and you grab onto that. People grab the fence all the time. You know, I mean, it's like saying like Poirier never grabbed the fence before. It's a similar thing, but he gets up from that move. They go to trade shots. And the thing I noticed before even he breaks his foot is the shot he threw was very desperation, very sloppy. It looked like Connor was kind of just lost it all. Like he had nothing left in the tank at that point. I think if it would have won another round, I think Poirier would have really put it on him and probably got a finish. I really feel that. Now I'm not going to we can't say that would happen guaranteed. We don't know, but it just didn't look right. it didn't look good. But Poirier wins the fight. He does. Okay? Cuz Connor's coming out came with leg kicks nonstop and then he breaks his he breaks his uh, tibula from fracturing on the leg. It's it's fighting. You know, if you punch a guy and your hand breaks, it's over. You lose. Connor lost. Poirier won. That's it. And I think Connor is not an elite fighter anymore. He was at one point. Now we're going to go through a phase, right? And we might go through this for the rest of Connor's career of how good Connor really was. And people are going to say he's overhyped because of the trash talk, because of his demeanor, because of his persona. They're going to say he's overhyped. They're going to say he never was a truly a top fighter. He never was an elite fighter. That's untrue. He was a shooting star, but he was an elite fighter. At the point from when Connor entered to the point where he knocked out Eddie Alvarez, to me, he, he was one of the best in the world. He was a top three fighter the whole time. At times, I thought he was the best. He was one of the more talented guys I've ever seen fight. 
He was one of the best stand-up guys, best with timing, best with combinations I've ever seen fight in MMA. And then he went to fight Floyd, and that's where everything got derailed. And I think that it has something to do with the being that Floyd put on him. I think it has something to do with the mental. Uh, I think it hurt Connor's mental. Also, in that point where like his power wasn't effective, and I think that that really screwed him up. So then he kind of switched styles. Um, but I really think we go back to it's going to be the being that Floyd put on him. I know that we, you know, people were saying like he kept up with Floyd and everything. I don't really think he did. I think Floyd kind of messed with him. But I do think that the beating he took off, that he took from Floyd was for real, and I don't think he ever recovered from that. Then he goes to fight Khabib, and you know, I don't think he takes that fight seriously. But you know, credit to Khabib because he did, and that's what a true champ does. You know, people are saying the money and everything like that. Remember, that's why Floyd should be respected so much, is because Floyd been making that money for years. And he still shows up in shape. And he still shows up. He still showed up uh, at top level. He never looked like, oh, he took this one easy. He never, you never heard that in a Floyd fight. Oh, he took this one easy. He overlooked this guy. He never heard that from a Floyd fight. You knew that if you were, someone was competitive with Floyd, they were getting the best Floyd that he could possibly get that night. And Connor just didn't have that in the compete fight. He, um, he somehow like looked past Poirier in the the first, the second fight, but this one this was Connor. There was no like he had a light cap. There was no he was he wanted this fight. He did. He wanted it. He tried to talk himself into it. He tried to talk himself into this fight. He, he was in shape. He was ready to go. This fight he didn't have it anymore. And when Poirier, I know people want to give Poirier, um, you know, like I seen these these breakdowns on Twitter and stuff. I, sometimes, I think sometimes people break down these fights and I think they overthink it sometimes, right? I think they overthink it. And the, someone was saying, you know, they were saying what Poirier was doing to counter the leg kicks. I don't think he really did counter the leg kicks. I think he got his legs kicked and I don't think he had, you know, I don't think that was going to stop until he just said, I'm going to press forward. And when Connor gave those openings and he just switched in front of him or, you know, he paused and he landed that big shot. That's what threw it off. It wasn't really anything Connor was doing, uh, what Poirier was doing technically. It's just that everyone kind of knows that if you can push Connor back and you can land shots on him, he will wilt. That's what Nate knew. That's what Poirier knows. That's what everyone's going to know now going forward. I was thinking about the tuna. They were saying that Connor was more active at this point, right? Because he had fought Cowboy Cerrone, he was going to Poirier. He, you know, just fought Poirier, he gets a rematch. He's going to be more sharper, right? And I was thinking about how. Cowboy Cerrone was supposed to be kind of like his tune-up fight. And I keep thinking, going back to when he landed that knee accidentally, when he overthrew that right hand, and and uh, Cowboy Cerrone goes under it, and he goes he goes for a takedown, and it goes straight into Connor's knee. And to me, no one's really talked about this, and no one's um, really went back and looked at this fight with it. But he hurt uh, Cowboy then, Kind of like an accidental knee, and then he throws a, um, and then he throws a head kick, which, you know, he starts hitting him with the shoulder, which, Cowboy throwing to me is out on his feet at that point, so he can throw him whatever he's gonna land, but he starts throwing the shoulder, right, and that looks really impressive, and then he throws a head kick, and I just think Cowboy Cerrone is out of it from the knee, he's out standing on his feet, but I think all those techniques and the way that Connor was attacking that fight, like kind of like a brawler had screwed him up because he thought like oh look how effective this is but i think like it was the shot of the knee that landed at the beginning that kind of just set all this up that he could have did whatever the hell he wanted he could have been doing spinning back kicks back, back fist uh back flips he could have did anything it would have been effective because Cerrone was out on his feet 
And then he goes into the second fight with Poirier with a similar style. Also thinking he's going to go fight Pacquiao. So he thinks it's going to be like a little sparring session for the Pacquiao fight. And he goes in as a brawler. Not a boxer. A brawler. He goes in there as a brawler. A club level brawler style. And he gets starts trading shots. And Poirier never pushes him back. Poirier gets kind of gets lit up a few times in the first round. And in the second round, he gets caught with some big shots. But then he starts timing Connor the way in, and Connor starts leaning too much to one side. And Poirier makes him pay and hurts him. He's also tearing apart his leg, right? But there's also big shots that he lands before the leg really turns off. He's consistently landing in the fight that I don't think he was getting credit for. And then you go to this fight, and then Connor goes and starts killing his leg, but he starts looking to push him back again, push him back. And Poirier lands some good shots going back. But then when he starts coming forward, right, and Connor starts going backwards, Connor is completely, his legs weren't in the position that before that they would use to maybe to counter something like that. But he starts getting shots and he gets rocked with a big shot when he's coming forward. And then when he starts falling back, it's like it's, he's lost. He doesn't know where he's at. It's, it's a, these Things on how you manage your career, right? These moves, like I'm gonna go fight Floyd and everything. Money-wise, it made sense. It was it was the right move to make. But these things are not, they have effects to them. And I'm just saying why I went down what Connor did for those things is like it's the it's the steps it took to get here. Right? It's the steps. Why did Connor come in the Poirier with the second fight with that style? It was because it worked in the it worked in the Sarumi fight. And it was a style that he was trying to develop power. So when he fought Box Pacquiao, it all it all adds up. It all comes together. It's it will affect. There's an effect. There's an effect and a, a cause and an effect, and that's what we saw with Connor. And I also think he just skills diminish. I think Poirier is just a better fighter, and I think Charles Oliveira would have beat Connor that night. I think he would have smoked Connor that night. I know everybody wants to say Poirier is the best lightweight in the world. I think Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world. But I'm so excited to see them fight each other. I think that these are two men to settle it. I don't really see anyone else right now in the lightweight division in the UFC who is competing with these guys. I think those are the two guys. They go at it, and I think that that will be the best lightweight in the world. And I think that it's open to debate. I think it's the odds should be very close because Charles Oliveira is a very good fighter. And on the ground, he's a one of the strongest jiu-jitsu guys I've ever seen because he doesn't... He doesn't give up position. Like, he will take the top. And he he has a decent takedown. And when he gets you down, he will control you. And he will get to where he wants to get to. Especially with transitions. Because Dustin Poirier, when he's coming forward, his combinations are no joke. And he's got great timing now. He's, like, if you see him hit a bag, when you see Poirier hit a bag, you're like, damn, this guy looks good, right? That's what he is when he's coming forward. The problem I have with sometimes he goes backwards. And he has to, like, reset. And those little things like that I have a problem with. And with... Oliveira, he's kind of got rid of those things. He's got really worked on his stand-up where maybe he's one shot at a time type guy, but he he's always in the right position. He's always, you know, he's never like, oh, he's out of position here. No, he seems like always ready. He's always ready to attack. He's always ready to defend. Sometimes Poirier doesn't. Sometimes Poirier falls apart. Like, defensively, Poirier is not that strong of a fighter. It's really his offense coming forward, his craftiness on the ground, his toughness, his durability, his durability has won him a lot of fights. You go to the Hooker fight, you go to the Eddie Alvarez fight, the Gaethje fight. His durability has won him a lot of fights. 
some of the things you can't measure with Justin Poirier on why he's so good. Especially like Holloway, right? Like Holloway was just too small when they fought at lightweight. He just didn't have the power. didn't go up. Holloway was kind of schooling him though at points. But then there's the durability of like him being able to take shots and just kind of overwhelmed Holloway. Kind of just pushed him off his spot. I love him and Charles Oliveira. I think that's an excellent fight. I want to see it. I think Charles Oliveira is a better fighter right now. But we're going to find out. And that's the beauty of it. Now, I, I do curious about the UFC and the star power, right? And losing Connor. And they're going to make... Connor's going to come back and fight again. I, I, I guarantee it. Dana wants it. Connor's going to want it. He's not going to want it to end the way it ended. And if Poirier wins, Connor might get a title shot next. You know what I mean? Like, star power... It has a lot of pool. But in the UFC, it's weird because for Connor it does, but for John Jones it doesn't. And for anyone else it doesn't. And it does to me it doesn't look like UFC really cares about stars. They don't think in their business model they think we need star power going forward. They're going everywhere against to get out of indiv- to take away individuality, right? For you to stand out. They're kind of going away from that. They're not paying their fighters, uh, the, you know, like the big money they want, the big contracts. They have no problem taking away a belt, stripping a belt, um, going over a guy and just making another matchup. It seems like, like, honestly, Derek Lewis and Serial Gain, as a main event, right? Just looking at it, it's not like, I'm just like, I don't, that sells pay-per-views? If that sells pay-per-views, right? If that sells 400,000 pay-per-views, these dudes do not need stars anymore. They don't. If they could sell 400,000 pay-per-views every month with guys like Derrick Lewis and Serial Gain, who Gain maybe could be a star later, but he hasn't done anything really. He just fought like on uh, free main events, like on Fox. And, I mean, on ESPN+. And Derrick Lewis, who, I mean, is fun, but he's like a fun undercard guy. If he, they're going to main event them, and they sell 400,000 pay-per-views, right? And they're paying with these guys, each guy like... A million to less money, you know, seven hundred fifty thousand to a million or five hundred thousand to a million. These dudes are just gonna get rid of UFC stars. They just want consistent numbers. They they don't give. They're not gonna give a damn if Connor sells. Well, for some reason they do Connor, but they're not gonna care if John Jones sells eight hundred. They're, they're not gonna give a damn about that. It's not gonna affect them with money wise or anything like that. They just want consistency. They'd be good with four hundred thousand consistent every month. They really would. They'd be good with that because they're getting. It seems to me, from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, is that all they care about is a guaranteed contract with ESPN, these uh, sponsorship deals, these um, the gate revenue is pretty consistent. It seems like the um, it's, it's really just TV deals. It's like NFL. It's like TV deals. It's really all it is. It's like we want our TV deal, and these ESPN needs this content, and the UFC fans very loyal. I'm not even sure. I think a UFC fan likes UFC more than they like MMA. I really do. I think the UFC thinks that too. Because if you're not willing to pay your stars, right? And Bellator, someone's going to come along and pay the stars. They feel like our brand is so far ahead of them, they can never catch up. I'm not sure I agree with it, but we're going to see how it plays out. Connor is never going to come back and be who he was. They know that that's on the downside. They could probably milk that two more times. But Connor's going to walk away from it eventually. He says if he continues losing, he's going to be like, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I don't have it anymore. My legacy is getting hurt. I, I really believe that. And I really believe that Connor's thing is kind of wearing off a little bit. Now, I'm sure that sold, sold well and everything like that. But the, the, the shine of Connor is kind of it's off a little bit now. Dustin Poirier, damn good fighter. He's not a star. He isn't. He's a damn good fighter. He's a, a hell of a person. He's all these things. He's not a star. 
he's not going to sell a million pay-per-views. I really don't believe that. I don't believe he is. I think that they're all around 200, 300, but they're getting 400. If they get 400 from Derek Lewis and Serial Gain, if I'm Nagano and all that, I, I'm a little concerned. I'm never going to get that money that I want. I'm never going to get the power I want with them. I, I'll be concerned. Because once they start getting those consistent numbers, they they won't go back to the star thing. They don't care about it. They don't want it. It's obvious. They just want to show up. We show up every week. You guys watch. Whoever it is. And that's it. And we that's we just want that consistency. In the NFL, you root for a team. You don't root for players. In the NBA, you root for players. That's why the ratings go up and down. But in the NFL, you don't. You root for a team. And they're there every week. That's what UFC wants. On the undercard, you have Wonderboy Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. And I picked Gilbert Burns in this fight. I wouldn't, I, I, every pick I picked, made this week, it hit. Um, I picked Gilbert Burns. I thought Gilbert Burns would be able to knock out Wonderboy. Because I think Wonderboy's defense is overrated. I don't think people talk about it, but he has good timing. He has good distance, but his defense is terrible. It falls apart. And I thought Gilbert Burns was going to come out a little more aggressive with a little more combination punches because that's kind of what he does. He's kind of more of a flurrier. He kind of like looks for like one, two, three. He's not a, like a precise puncher. He's more like a numbers man. Like I'm going to throw numbers at a certain target and hopefully one lands, right? And, uh, the more pressure and explosion I put, the more chances I have of landing that big shot with my power. But he kind of didn't. He was just like way more patient. And he fought right into Steven Wonderboy's game. And I thought Steven Wonderboy was pretty damn effective. I thought the rounds were, you know, close. But I thought Wonderboy was pretty effective in what he wanted to do. And his combinations and his strikes were way clearer. But Burns was landing a takedown. You know, at the end of the um, at the end of the second round. And at the end of the third round, he lands a takedown. And at the third round, I mean, at the uh, second round, it's... It's a questionable takedown. Like, he has them against the fence. Uh, Wonder Boy's on one knee. They're kind of on the side of each other. I don't know. You know, it's questionable if it's a takedown. They start start trading shots in that little tight area. Then Burns, to me, is getting smoked in the third round. Like, he's he's just getting tagged up. But then he lands a takedown. But he doesn't really do much with the takedown. But I already knew. I already knew because of how the fights are scored that these takedowns were going to override anything that Steven Wonderboy did. And they did. It was I no question about it. I was like, oh, I got it right, but I don't feel like I did. I felt like, and I'm not even gonna say Stephen Stephen Wonderboy won the fight. I'm not gonna say that. Now I, I I think I feel like that, but I'm not gonna say that. Like I'm not saying oh they round or whatever. I'm saying what are these takedowns? Why are they more effective than everything else? Why not more effective? Why are they scored high, more highly than everything else? Is it harder to get a knockdown? Or is it hard to get a takedown? Because I'm saying it's a knockdown. And I think that's pretty easy. And I don't think anyone could really argue that. Now, if a takedown is so effective, right? And it should be scored, right? Because this guy's taking the fight where he wants it. Well, then if a guy is a stand-up fighter, shouldn't he get points for every minute, every second that the fight is standing up? And you're going to say, oh, well, the fight starts standing up. Okay, then don't score that part, right? That part, we're starting no, no It's nil-nil. Then let's say, let's say the guy shoots for a takedown. And the guy stuffs it. Should the guy not get points for stuffing that takedown and keeping the fight standing? Since that's the control because he's controlling the fight where he wants it and the other guy wants to take down and he didn't allow it. And people are going to say this is stupid, right? The, the takedowns are already scored perfectly. And that's fine. If everyone who watches MMA 
everybody who you know likes the UFC and likes Bellator and all that, they're okay with scoring the takedowns, the most effective thing. That's fine. But then we have to kind of talk about something else. Is it the way the scoring system work favors the wrestler or someone that does jiu-jitsu? It just does. An aggressive jiu-jitsu guy, like a guy that looks for takedowns and wants to get on top. It just does. It's not fair to a striker, right? If you have an even fight and no one's, and say the striker lands, you know, a jab and a right, and then the guy gets a takedown and he doesn't do land anything, the guy that gets a takedown is going to win the fight and win the round and win the fight at the end of the day. And I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right that a takedown, we treat a takedown like better than we treat a knockdown. I don't, I don't, I don't see the logic in it. I think that just like in boxing scoring where it's a little bit, it's a little bit screwed up right now. I think really in MMA, we have to really talk about it. And if people are good with it, just acknowledge that you're also giving the a big advantage to a guy that's a wrestler or just a guy. So, you know, when they say wrestling dominates it, well, the score, you know, the scoring is high, really in favor of the wrestler. It just is. When to me, my logic is taking someone down is just putting yourself in position to land more damage. But if you don't land the damage, I can't give you more credit for it. It's just to put someone in the position. So it's the same as when a kickboxer gets up and they got the he, he gets up from the takedown, gets up from the ground. He's putting himself in position to land more damage that's more effective for him. Now, we don't score that for him that it's like that. Then why do we score for the wrestler? How about we just score if the guy takes him down and he starts landing big shots, then we start giving him points. But why are we scoring the takedown for points? I don't get that. I'll never understand that. I don't think it's going to change ever. But I think it should. I really think it should. And I thought that if we scored it that way, Wonder Boy wins that fight. If we scored on just who's landing the more effective and putting more damage on their opponent, Wonder Boy wins that fight. But I picked Burns, so I'm, I mean, I'm not. It's just, it's. It just confuses me. On those situations. I also, um, I have to talk about Ryan Hall. I have to talk about this. I have to talk about how if a boxer goes to MMA, everybody laughs and says, this is ridiculous. He's going to get killed, whatever. But a guy that's just mere, purely jujitsu, and everybody's like, oh, let's see what he can do. And everybody's like, if we just got to get past this myth already. If you're just jujitsu, I honestly, I think that it's, you have like no chance. Really, really, really rare cases that a guy's going to be, come from strictly jujitsu and strictly like a bottom game, right? A bottom game, you're going to do anything in the UFC, like win a title. I just don't think that, I really don't think they have a chance. And this Ryan Hall was like, everyone was scared of him, supposedly, and everyone was dodging him. And the guy was doing a rolling technique. Uh, what is the, I don't even know. The, you know, I don't know the terms of the name, so everybody would get all pissed off at me. Um, but he was doing a Maneri roll, I believe that's what it's called. Right, and he was trying to get lock a, a leg lock down, um, like a knee bar, but it wasn't effective, right? And the guy, I and Joe Rogan is hyping it up the whole damn time. He's like, "Oh my god, like this is so like you know he's guy so intelligent, the way he attacks, it's so um, it's so uh, you know it's so odd, but it's so effective." And people are looking at this, they're not understanding it, they're idiots. And I, I just think. I was like, no, this just isn't effective. Like, if you, if anything, right, we're talking, we know about fighting, right? Just rolling on the ground and the other guy just stepping back and not even anywhere close to it. We can't say it's effective because it wasn't doing anything. It was not doing anything, and it was putting him in bad spots, and it became extremely predictable. After the first two times, he should have never tried it again. But he did it about ten times. 
And finally, the guy just says, I'll go down with him because I know exactly where he's going to be. And when I get there, I'm going to hit him with shots and he knocks him out cold. And I'm so glad it happened. And I don't ever, you know, I, I do root for fighters here and there, but I don't want like the worst things happen to fighters. But I was glad it happened because it was a valuable lesson to learn. Right. That that stupid technique, the thing that Jerome was hyping up and saying how intelligent this guy was, it wasn't effective. And it, I hear them comment on guys that, you know, he doesn't throw kicks. So his punches are too predictable, which is pretty stupid because that's then if right, if you're not throwing kicks, right, makes it impossible for you to land your punches because it's too predictable. Then why do MMA fighters go to boxing and get lit up? Shouldn't they be able to block all those because it's the guy only throwing punches and you know only punches are coming? This is what I'm talking about. We've allowed these simple narratives that are continuous but incorrect, and no one's ever really challenging them. This is what I'm talking about. When the guy did the rule about the fifth time, they should have said, "Ah, oh, you got to stop this because it's not effective." And and it, but they didn't. They like acted like if it was only a matter of time, and it, I thought it was only a matter of time for this guy gets knocked out, and that's what happened. I think commentating on I seen a DC. Uh, call one guy doing a peekaboo style and he said that and it threw me off because I was thinking of the Philly shout I was like he's trying to say the guy's doing the Philly shout but he was talking about peekaboo style because the guy's hands were down and I'm like no the guy's hands are just down he's not doing anything he's not adding any technique with it he just has his hands down he saw someone do that and he said I'm gonna do that and if anyone's ever boxed before or something like that sometimes you put your hands down you feel like you're faster for some reason it's just a mental thing right and it leads to you get people getting knocked out for having their hands down but DC said that it was the Philly shell, and he was saying it was what Mayweather did. And he was saying that that's why Mayweather, Mayweather couldn't do this in MMA because of four-ounce gloves. No, the idiot got knocked out because his hands were down. And he was standing straight up with his chin up. wasn't because he was doing what Floyd Mayweather did. That guy could, in a million years couldn't do what Floyd Mayweather does. In a million years, he could train this guy forever. He will not do, be able to do what Mayweather does. And DC should be, you know, the I see all of them, people insulting Stephen A. Smith, insulting everyone. They should insult DC for that. But no one said anything. No one had a problem with it because the knowledge isn't there. And that was showed me that when the guys are doing uh, a stand-up fight, I really think the lack of knowledge on the commentating crew is there. It's pretty obvious, in my opinion. We had some boxing this weekend. We had Jojo Diaz versus Fortuna. And I told you there was going to be a, pa- a, a power versus skill. And Jojo Diaz, when he's on his A-game, is one of the most talented fighters in boxing. Jojo Diaz was on his A-game. He looked excellent. He with countered he picked his shots he uh, uh defended well he attacked when he need to he he would uh not let uh fortuna steal the momentum of rounds he did everything he did to look the best he can look and when he's at his best i to me i really think he's trouble for anyone and now he's in this he from the last fight where he got a draw to this fight where he looked now this fight where he looks very good he put himself in a position to fight Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney. And this is a position that everyone wants to be in. And this guy is in there. And it's a beautiful chance. He's going to either get Haney or Garcia. And these are those are two excellent matchups. And I know everybody's saying that Haney's going to run through them. I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. I Skills don't lie. Abilities don't lie. And just because you think that, you know, he doesn't fit what you feel like is effective, right? I have to be honest. Haney struggled against Leonardo. He was hit in that fight. He was hurt in that fight. He also, you know, later in the fight, you know, it was the skill-wise, he kind of equaled out. Jordan Diaz is more skilled than Leonardo's right now. He just is. He has more ability than him right now. He's fresher than him right now. Him and Haney is going to be a good fight. Him and Ryan Garcia is a good fight. 
those are those are fights that, are, that he can win. I, I I could make an argument that he can win in those fights. Don't put down fighters because you feel like you know. Oh well, who's Fortuna? Fortuna's a tough fighter, and he just got schooled by Joe Diaz. Now the people, some people felt that Fortuna had won the fight. I, I had told you that it was going to be close because Fortuna hits hard, and he likes to flurry off your. Off, um, he likes to flurry off of you, and I thought Fortuna was a little more patient in this fight than I. You know, what a guess going in because especially because Jojo Diaz is smaller and you would think he'd really want to test his power. But I think the I think Jojo Diaz's power was a little more than Fortuna thought. I also think his skill kind of kept Fortuna at home a little bit. On the main event, you had Gilberto Ramirez versus Sullivan Barrera. And my complaint going into this fight, which I picked Gilberto Ramirez to win a decision, was Gilberto Ramirez has yet to put on a complete performance. Well, he did. He put on a complete performance, and he looked what Golden Boy needed him to look that night. He had the power. He was moving in angles. He was putting combinations together. He was putting a lot of power in shots that didn't need a lot of motion. That's another thing. It's like he didn't need a lot of wind-up. Didn't need, he was very compact, but he kept his arms out like in a far stance. So he's, it was like two-inch punches, and he was putting. He was getting a lot of power, generating a lot of power. And when he hit to the body, he, he did exactly what he needed to do and got the finish. He looked excellent. He looked like a star. He looked like everything Golden Boy needed him to look like. And you got to give credit to Golden Boy for these cards. That was an excellent card. I had it a pre-card uh, pre score of a three, post-fight show uh, fight score of a three. It was just solid. It delivered what it needed to deliver. The fights were entertaining. And I think Gilberto Ramirez versus Bivol is an excellent fight. Golden Boy has an excellent fight there. And I think that Joe Diaz versus Ryan Garcia, which is all Golden Boy fight, or versus Devin Haney, which would still be Golden Boy because he's, you know, with Matchroom, but he's still like a network free agent. So it'd be on his own on a Golden Boy card. You can't get any better than that. And Golden Boy puts itself in position. It has the least amount of cards of any of the, you know, major promotions. But it, it gets the most value for its buck. It really does. It really doesn't. They have fights set up in the future that make sense, especially like they got a big fight with Virgil Ortiz coming up. They got um, Rosado versus Manuka. Like all those fights, they make sense. They build. There's a skill there. Even though the Delahoya, to me, I question a lot of things. He makes heat. Whoever's running the business part of it, whoever's doing it, is the man has a skill. The man has skill in matchmaking and building a storyline. This has been the Ezra Podcast. I'll have another one, of course, this week. And I will also have one on YouTube, the Straight to Video Podcast. Follow me at uh, raw on Instagram and Straight to with the Two Video Podcast also on Instagram. And raw on Twitter. Thank you, guys.